directions on how we should live our lives. Um, I don't have a degree in theology. I don't know what all the words mean in the Hebrew or the Greek or whatever it is. But I do really believe that God has spoken to me today and that over the past few weeks and that I have something to share. Um, so yeah, so let's get started. So we are reading it this morning from Matthew 7, verses 7 to 12, which says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. So today we're talking about asking, seeking and knocking. And when we enter the kingdom of God for the first time, we become Christians, we you know, it's talked about knock, God knocking on the door of your heart and, and we receive God into our lives. So this, this initial salvation, that is based on a need, that we need Jesus, we need God to be saved from death, to be accepted into eternal life. So salvation is based on our need, but our spiritual growth is based on a want. We need to want more of God. And it's going to cost us to get there. We need to ask more of God, because God is not going to force himself upon us. So ask, seek, and knock. In the Bible, we're told several times to ask. I did a quick Google search of all the times the Bible says ask. I was pretty overwhelmed by the answers. Um, but some of the verses you'll probably recognize. Whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you receive it, and it'll be yours. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything let your requests be known to God. And if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish that it will be done. It goes on and on and on. And so we are, we are commanded to ask, God tells us to ask. And, um, you know, you could say, like, if God's sovereign, if God knows everything we need before we ask, what is the point in asking? Yet he's telling us to ask all these times. And um, when we were speaking about prayer a few months ago, we talked about how um, actually in our asking, we're building this relationship with God and building this connection with God. We're stepping into to our dependence on him and speaking to him. Because God doesn't want to just speak to us that one time when we become Christians. He wants to speak to us continually. And God cares about, about all the things that we might ask him for. He cares about the big things. He cares about the small things. Um, and even this morning, I, um, 
had left home without my watch and I'm somebody like I felt like very aware I couldn't find my watch when I was leaving the house and I didn't have it on and I was walking to church and thank goodness I live about 30 seconds from here so it's very handy um, but I, w I was walking and I prayed I was like God I've lost my watch where's my watch like can you tell me where my watch is and I just had this picture in my mind of where to look so I actually popped back and looked and there it was sitting there um, so got my watch but that just reminded me how much God cares about these little things as well as the big huge things and in the passage it says um, that, or Jesus says that even you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more does your Father in heaven give good gifts to you? And I actually looked up, the word for evil means selfish here. So it's saying, it's saying even you who are really selfish, who prefer yourself, even you are going to give good things to your children. How much more then does God give good things to you? In our family, we have a well-loved phrase of um, sponging off the reds. Um, I'm one of four siblings. We're all grown-ups now. We all work. We all um, uh, yeah, have left home. But yeah, when we're with our parents, our parents still pay for everything. Um, yeah, we can pay for ourselves. And we actually often like go to pay for ourselves but my mum and dad love to bless us they love to, pro to provide for us even though we don't need it it's an extra they love just to give it to us i'd like to say spending off the rents is actually their phrase that they, they <laughs> like to develop so earthly parents even though we're flawed and there's things wrong with us and we're selfish if we want to give good things to our children how much more does god want to give good things to you so do you believe that God is really that good? That he really has good things for you? That he wants to give you the desires of your heart? He cares about the things that you're asking about and, and seeking him for. And when we ask something of God, we should expect an answer. So the passage says, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. It doesn't say maybe or sometimes or like if you're good. It says... It will. It's a guarantee. And recently, one of the things I've been asking God for was um, something called divine appointments, which just basically means a bit of a setup from God, a connection that, that God is on, where you have the opportunity. And so I've been asking God, I want opportunities to, to pray for the sick, to prophesy life, and to release signs and wonders wow. about, my, um, about my day. So I've been praying for this for a few weeks. And then... Um, Within a short period of praying for that, I was getting off the train at Balham, and it was the end of a really long day at work, and not particularly nice day at work, and I was just really ready to be home. And someone approached me and started speaking to me, and I'm, I'm from Scotland, where we chat to everybody, and that's really, really common, but in my experience of London so far, it's not everybody's always like that. <laughs> so I was quite shocked this person had come and spoken to me. Um, but I just didn't really have time. I was, I just wanted to be home, and I was really hungry. And I was really tired. So um, they were offering, you know, trying to speak to me, trying to offer me something, and I just said no thanks, and off I went home. And within about thirty seconds of leaving him, I suddenly thought, oh, that, what if that was a setup from God? I've been praying for these divine appointments. I've been praying for these connections with God. Yet one comes along, and I'm like, no, 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 I'm not really ready. Don't really fancy it today. 
I wasn't prepared to notice in that moment. I wasn't expecting that God would answer. So fast forward to a couple of weeks ago, and um, actually to last weekend, I was back in Glasgow for the weekend. My sister and I are selling our flats currently in Glasgow, and um, so last weekend was full of sorting and packing and, and moving furniture out. And if anyone has ever moved out a house or sold a house, you probably know that at the end you end up with all this random stuff that you don't really know who it belongs to. Mm. And um, we've had lots of flatmates over the years, so yeah, loads of stuff. Which called for a trip to Glasgow's recycling centre, otherwise known as the dump. <laughs> so, my first trip to the dump in about 22 years, quite exciting. And we were driving to the dump with this car packed full of stuff. And we got in the car and started sorting things out. And one of them, the guys who worked there came up and started speaking to me. His first question was to ask me where I was from. His very second sentence to me was to tell me about his uncle, who um, is a medium and who speaks to spirits, and to ask me, was I into that? So if that's not a divine setup, what is? Um, but this time I was more prepared. I was expecting that God is, God is going to set me up. I've been praying for these things. I believe God for them. I've asked for it. I believe that God will answer. So I was able to speak to this guy. His name was Ian. And we, I, mean, I, I talked about how I do believe in speaking to Holy Spirit. And I believe in speaking to God. And he, allowed, he told me a bit about his journey with God. And he allowed me to be able to, to prophesy with him. So I said, you know, I believe that God speaks to me. And this is what I feel like he's saying to you. So I was able to, to prophesy over him, and then he allowed me to pray for him as well. And the same faith and expectancy that I have, that I asked God to set me up on these appointments, these meetings, um, and then he did. I have the same expectancy and faith that I've asked God to meet with Ian and to, to go and meet him, that he's going to do that as well. So God is asking to be included in all these things. To, to be included in the big things, the little things, and we need to be expectant that he's going to answer. Mm. We need to be expecting that tomorrow's going to be different because he prays, because he asks God to be there. And this is a continual thing. In the Amplified Version of the Bible, it says in this passage, ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking. It's this eternal journey of being hungry and seeking more of him and asking more of him. And in the kingdom of God, I think we often find that there can be two things presented and they feel like they're the complete opposite of each other. And, you know, it's like, well, if that's true, how can that be true? And if this is true, how can that be true? But I think that's one of the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And... You know, there's a saying that all truth is held in attention, that one tr truth feels this way and one truth feels this way, and we're called to live on the thin line in between. So the positioning of ask, seek, and knock suggests that we don't have, that we're wanting more, we're desiring more than we have. So on the one hand, the kingdom, the kingdom of God, we are, you know, told to live fully satisfied, grateful with all we have. You know, we've received so much grace, we've already received so, so much. But yet we're also to live eternally dissatisfied with what we have and seeking for more, desperate for more, hungry for more. Mm. Those things don't make sense, but yet I think there is this balance that we can, we can achieve. And I think sometimes this is where we can stop. 
you know, we're on this journey with God, that he really cares about everything we are um, asking for. He really cares about the small things in life, the big things in life. That we really believe that our prayers make a difference. Our, our prayers are really powerful to change things. And these are all true, and these things are all great. But what's next? What comes after that? And this, for me, is the journey I'm on right as right now. It's not, um, you know, something I'm like, yep, dealt with that. I'm, I'm, I feel like I've got all my breakthrough, and here's like what I think in a nice little package. I'm like, this is something I'm still really processing. What comes next after that? And I think, firstly, our pursuit of God, our seeking after God, takes surrender. So we're told to, to pray persistently, to pray continually for these things. But what happens if you missed your prayer one day, or you didn't pray for that thing? Do you still believe it's going to happen? Were you praying out of fear? Was I praying out of fear that if I didn't ask for it this day that God wouldn't do it? Do I trust that he's good enough? That, like, I forgot to pray that he would be with me in a situation. But do I still believe that he's good enough? He's going to do that anyway. And I think sometimes when we pray for the desires of our heart, sometimes they, that becomes a real focus in our life. We consistently pray. And it might be that we're praying for a really, really good thing. It might be praying for a baby. It might be praying for a husband, a wife, a promotion, to see more miracles, to see people healed. These are all amazing things to pray for. But if we're asking God and seeking God for these things, more than we're seeking God for himself, then they've become an idol. Mm. If those things become the goal, those things become what we're working towards, what we're seeking after, then they've become an idol because Jesus is the goal. Connection is the goal. So again, it's this opposite. So yes, we pray about everything. We believe that God's going to provide. But at the same time, we're completely surrendering it to God and saying, no, but your will be done, not mine. Yeah. Pray what's on our hearts, but then hand it back to God and say, God, this is not mine to decide, it's, it's yours. <clears throat> so we ask God for our needs, our wants, our desires. But primarily, we're asking for him. We're seeking more of him. In this passage, actually, Jesus is um, talking about the Sermon on the Mount, and he's, he's talking about ask, seek, and not, but he's talking about seeking after him. He comes back to the first commandment of love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. That should be our, our one thing. That should be what we're seeking more than anything else. And then the Psalm, Psalm 27, is one of my favorite Psalms, and there's um, a verse, verse 4 that says, in the Passion Translation, I love this translation of the Bible, it puts the Bible into very um, easy to understand language, but it's, it's really emotive, I think, as well. And, uh, it says, here's the one thing I crave from God, the one thing I seek above all else. I want the privilege of living with him every moment in his house, finding the sweet loveliness of his face, filled with awe, delighting in his glory and grace. I want to live my life so close to him that he takes pleasure in my every prayer. Are we living our life so close to him 
that he's closer than the air we breathe, he's closer than the ground we're walking on, he's more real than any of that. Are we pursuing him more than we're pursuing the things, the desires of our heart? And this is not a comfortable journey, and it takes effort, but this is where we have a choice. Yes, salvation is, is based on a need, but our spiritual growth is based on a want. We determine how much of God we get. So it takes our effort. Every summer growing up, we went on holiday to um, Abbeymore, which is about 30 minutes from actually where I'm from. Um, very tropical holiday. And, um, but I loved it. We went to the same uh, like timeshare every year, and it was an outdoor centre, and we had loads of fun. And then um, this summer, I was sat in a roasting hot office in London, in the midst of a bit of craziness at work, whilst my parents and of my siblings were on this holiday that we, we go on most years. And uh, I sent a text message to my dad voicing my frustrations at having to work when everyone else was on holiday. It felt like the whole world was on holiday. And in his response, he sympathized with me. Um, but he also, and then he told me, yeah, I thought like that too for the 40 years that I worked. Um, and now he's retired, he does get to go on holiday every summer. But that just, you know, he wasn't even meaning it as a correction, but you know, he worked for 40 years, yet I'm on my, what, third or fourth, fourth summer working, and, and I'm like, oh, this is really hard, I don't know, I don't know if I fancy it. <laughs> How much have we become adverse to hard work and to effort? How much have I become adverse to that? I want, I know what I want, and, I, and I'm praying for that and desiring that, but how much am I willing to put in that hard work and effort? In my job, I work as a social worker, and a lot of the um, of my job is perseverance. Change takes a really long time in families. Building up that trust takes a really, really long time. And it's the day in, day out, the visits continually that, that allows me to get the breakthrough of them trusting me and, and listening to me and working with me. It doesn't happen overnight. And yes, I believe that some things in the kingdom of God do happen in a moment. They do happen in an instant. And God can give you that breakthrough in an instant. But sometimes the things we're asking for are going to take perseverance. They're going to take that daily hard work and seeking and effort from our yeah. perspective. And actually seeking after God, that word seeking, it's, it's an active thing. And I think the word striving is often viewed very negatively, like we can't strive um, for God's grace and acceptance because we've got that freely. And yes, that's so true. That's again one of the, the truths, one of the sides of the truth. But on the other side, striving is, is what we're called to do because we're, we're called to passionately and seek God and pursue Him. Striving for more of His presence and more of Him. Even the word waiting on the Lord isn't a, a past word. Though I did look up this, the word in the original. I can't remember Greek or Hebrew or something like that. But it means to, to actively pursue the present. I'm not going to talk at all. Bible does so, so it's good. <laughs> um, See, so yeah, that means dancing, jumping, pursuing God, receiving His presence. We need to actively ask, actively seek, actively knock. Yeah. It takes effort. Yeah. Jesus often spoke in parables when he when he spoke. He told stories, and that was for a specific reason. That was because, you know, for some listeners, that's a nice story they get to hear. They go home. But for those who chose to dig deeper, to choose to think, okay, what was he meaning underneath that? What was he actually saying? 
They then had a responsibility to respond to what they understood. It's actually got, Jesus hid, hid the meaning from some people who weren't, who weren't able or ready to be able to respond to the truth that he was saying. So it takes effort from us to be able to explore the truth that God is saying. It says in Proverbs, it's the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings to search them out. So God hides things for us, not from us. He hides them to protect us from, from the responsibility of having to act when we, when we hear it. And this is something we, we can't seek out God lightly. Because actually it's going to demand a response to you. When you discover something of God, that is going to cost you something. It's going to, you're going to need to do something about it. There's um, a quote from the abolition of the slave trade. and This is a paraphrase, but it says something like, you may choose to look the other way, but you can never again say that you did not know. Similarly, when we speak out truth, and when we seek out truth, and when we hear this truth of God, and we seek out more of him and what he's actually saying and what he's actually doing, then we have the responsibility to act. We can never again say, oh, I didn't know like that, I didn't know that. When we're held to account, we're going to need to justify what we did with the truth that we discovered. It takes a serious commitment. So it takes effort, it takes perseverance. But it also takes sacrifice. There's um, a word, or there's a concept going around at the moment. For you guys who are Instagram savvy, probably have heard of it, called huga. It's a Danish word. Um, don't know if I'm pronouncing it quite right, but it means comfort. If there's any Danish people here, I'm really sorry if I like annihilated yeah. the language. Um, but it means like to create a warm, cozy atmosphere. So you might see a picture of like a lovely fire with hashtag Kuga um, there. And I think this, you know, thinking about this, I realise in our world we're in this constant pursuit of what is comfortable, what is safe, what is easy. Things are becoming more and more easy in our society. But yet, when things are easy, do we grow? The persecuted church is the fastest growing church in yeah. the world. It's growing because there's a cost. Yeah. It's a real, real cost. And the current fastest growing population, according to Christianity today, is in Iran. Iran. Yeah. Um, where at best people will face intimidation and abuse, and at worst, death for their faith in Jesus. And when asked why the church is growing so rapidly, it was attributed directly to the difficulties that Christians in Iran are facing. And, was quote, and then the source said, the church flourishes in times of persecution and danger. Yeah. There's something in that sacrifice, in the cost, in the pursuit of God, that attracts heaven and attracts the kingdom of God. Mm. And it must attract people too. It's the fastest growing church. I think so often we're keen to present Jesus and the gospel as like this lovely thing, you know, come and join, it's cozy, it's great. And on one side it is, you'll never be more loved in your life, you'll never have experienced more peace in your life, you'll never experience more joy in your life than the joy of being with Jesus. But on the other side, it, there's a cost, and it's real, and it takes sacrifice, and it takes perseverance. That's what that is attractive, because it's authentic. Mm. I've grown up a Christian and, you know, I've known Jesus all my life and 
I've been so challenged recently. What has being a Christian cost me in my life? I've got friends who became Christians at university or, um, or afterwards or at school. And for them, sometimes there was a cost. You know, maybe they were ostracized from their family. Their friends didn't really get it. And I was, I was so challenged. What is my Christian life costing me? What is my pursuit of God costing me? So when we realize that, yes, we have access to everything we need. We have authority. We have, um, you know, we can pray and see things happen. But at the same time, we have nothing. It says at the beginning of the sermon that, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. So this is the tension again of realizing we have everything, but we have nothing. And it's when we realize we have nothing and how much we need God and we're desperate for God, that then that's, we can sacrifice for that, and it attracts the, heaven of, the kingdom of heaven. This summer for me was a particularly difficult time. Um, several things going on, including a false allegation at work, um, and being challenged about something that I hadn't done and not feeling I could defend myself. Also having some health issues, also be feeling quite new to London and not really knowing loads of people. And yeah, it was a really, really hard time, but that was one of the most beautiful times in my relationship with God. I felt like I had nothing, absolutely nothing. So I, my, my pursuit of God was out of sheer desperation. <laughs> that I need God every single day, every single moment. To get up today, I need God. I need to encounter him, I need to experience him. I felt completely broken and lost, and so I was clinging to him with everything. And in that, my, my faith grew, like, exponentially. I experienced more of God's peace than I ever have in my life. But I don't wanna just grow when things are hard. Because it's, yeah, those times we've come like slapped in our face with how much we need God. But I want to grow in every time. <laughs> so what is your pursuit of the kingdom of God costing you? Because if it's not costing you anything, are you too comfortable? Are you growing? It says in Jeremiah, seek me and find, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So it's going to take all of us, not just a part of us. It takes all of us. And fire falls on the sacrifice of our lives. And in, in Bible times, they um, laid out sacrifices, burnt offerings for God. And we now need to lay our lives down as a sacrifice, lay down our, our entitlement, what we think we should have, what we think we should deserve. Because yes, again, the, the, the tensions of we, in one sense we do, we're royal priests, we've been anointed, and we have access to the whole kingdom. But at the same time, we need to lay all of that down and say, God, not your will, not my will, but yours. There's a verse in Psalm 5 that says, Every morning I lay out the pieces of my life on the altar and wait for your fire to fall upon my heart. Are we laying out every piece of our life to God? And say, God, I want you with all of me. Or are we just saying just that part that's easy? Are we giving him the bit that's going to cost us? So what does what does sacrifice look like you for you? Is it fasting? Is it getting up early to pray? Does it look like something else? And I think we can so often have excuses for why we're not going to do this. And these are my excuses. You may have your own as well. But you know, I've had times where I'm like, I'm not really hungry for God. I actually, don't really know if I fancy more of Him right now. I don't really. It doesn't feel worth the cost. But actually, I would ask myself. I'd ask you if that's one of you. 
What, what are we feeding ourselves on? What are we spending our time doing? Because whatever you're filling your mind with, whatever you're, you're initially seeking after, that's then what you're going to be hungry for. So actually our pursuit creates hunger. Mm, that's really good. You may even sacrifice sleep to watch the next episode of that series. You know on Netflix it kind of just comes on and you're like, oh, I have to watch it now. Um, and you, you might stay up late to do that. I've done that. But there was, there was a time when I had never watched that TV show. I didn't actually feel any need to watch it. Um, but now there's a hunger for it because I've, I've tried it out. I've experienced it. So we need to think about what we're feeding ourselves because that's what we're going to be hungry for. And that's what we're going to seek after. You know, another excuse is um, I don't have time. It's going to cost me all my time. I don't really have time. I use this one all the time. My job is, is quite demanding, and you know you can work really, really, really long days, and then um, you know, and I can think, okay, well I've done done my good bit for the day. But actually, we make time for the things that are important to us. I think look at where are you spending your time, your money, and resources, because these are the things that you're prioritizing. Whether you've consciously thought about it or not, that's what you're prioritizing. You know, it's easy to think, I need my sleep because I need to be present for the day. Yeah. Or I can't fast because actually that's going to distract me all day and I'm not going to be on the ball for what I need to do. But actually God says, seek first the kingdom and then everything else will be added. Mm. We need to love God first and then everything else will fall into place. Seek his kingdom, pursue him first. And you know, follow these com the first commandment of love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And then love others as yourself. And actually, the end verses of um, in Matthew 7 it, and it says about loving others. And that because that's the overflow, that's what happens by default. If we focus on seeking God, then everything else will, ha will happen. We won't necessarily pray about everything anymore because we, we're just so in communion with God that we're praying constantly that some of the things we initially were so caught up in praying for all the time, we just trust God that they're going to happen. So we come back to the word ask, to, it, which means to crave and to desire God, to be homesick for his presence. It's the most natural place for us to be in his presence, to be more dependent on him. So it's going to take effort, and Jesus goes on in the Sermon on the Mount to talk about the narrow gate. There's the narrow gate and there's the wide gate. It's the hard way. It's a challenge. This isn't an attractive thing I'm proposing. Um, this always. But that is the greatest reward. But it's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take cost. And it's going to take effort to seek after him. And again, the kingdom of God is a choice. Yes, salvation is a need. But any growth is a want. We need to actively seek him, to position our lives as a, in a place of dependence on him. So I want to finish by believing with that challenge of where are you now? In your growth with God, in your journey with God, where are you? Where do you position yourself right now? It may be that you, at the moment, just need to, to know how good God is and just know that he cares about everything that you care about, everything that goes through your head. From finding your watch to your day tomorrow to every to your family um, to your friends, he cares about all those things. 
He really is that good. Or maybe that he's challenging you to, and asking you, what is your pursuit costing you? What is your pursuit of God costing you? Are you sacrificing? Are you, is it an effort? And then I want you to think about where do you want to be? If you could fast forward and think about in three months' time, where do you want to be? Because it's going to cost you to get there. If it's a growth, it's going to cost you to get there. And yes, it's going to be worth it. But we need to think about, are we willing to make that sacrifice? So maybe if the band come up um, and should stand.